Well, like, like Pastor Beth said, Pastor Brad is in North Dakota. So if this is your first time here, we want to thank you for being here, for joining us today. Um, but please reserve judgment for next week. Come back next week to hear the message then. Don't base it off of this morning if you leave and you think, well, worship was pretty good, but the, the, the dude speaking, I don't know about. But uh, it, is, uh, it, it is an honor to be here this morning. My pastor growing up, he would always say it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord as opposed to yesterday, which probably wouldn't have been such a great day to be in the house of the Lord, I guess. Um, but he always said that. He also always said, uh, he, he would say, um, God is good. All the time, God is good. So that must be like, you know, that must transcend over churches across the world as the thing to say and to get everybody pumped up for the morning. But, uh, but it, it is awesome to be with you guys uh, today. I will say that as, as a worship leader, uh, my job is actually pretty easy. People think it's impressive because you play an instrument. But really, all you have to do to be a, a, a worship leader in the church is learn like four chords on the guitar I mean, quite literally, you could play just about any song there is with four chords, be able to halfway sing, and some churches today don't even require that, um, and then you just sing songs that other people wrote. So it's really, there's not much to it. It's a pretty, pretty simple job. So as a worship leader, what I do on a Sunday morning is really not hard. So when your senior pastor turns to you and says, hey, you're going to preach, now I've got to come up with something. How does John 3.16 go again? Every scripture verse like floods and leaves your memory. And you're like, I don't know anything. But, uh, but, but, but Pastor Brady asked me to speak. And the Lord had actually put something on my heart really probably during the summer of last year. And I was just thinking about him. I was thinking, you know, we, we talked, Pastor Brad just finished a series just really kind of going through a lot of the, the things that we talk about as a church, as, that is in our church culture, uh, our, our tribal speak, as he would put it, things that, that are unique to us, that, that maybe is not part of every church. Um, but one thing that, that is part of our church that we talk about constantly is the concept of the Holy Spirit. And uh, one of the reasons that I want to talk about that today is because while, for me, growing up in the Assemblies of God, the Holy Spirit has been a very normal uh, concept. It's just been part of my, my everyday church life. Uh, it was not anything unusual to walk into a service after, whether it was children's church on a Sunday morning or if it was coming in on a Wednesday night after, after things had gotten, gotten done and, and all the adults were at the altar and people were you know, getting prayed for and people were falling on the floor and they're being slain in the Holy Spirit. I kind of grew up in that. Uh, in fact, I believe my mom probably still even has a drawing that, I don't know, I guess I was seven or eight or nine, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but, but in Sunday school, they asked us to draw a picture of what we thought church was. And so I drew a picture of a guy laying down and I had a text bubble that just said, ha, ha, ha. Because church to me was people getting slain in the Holy Spirit and laughing and, and things like that. So, so, so the Holy Spirit is a pretty normal concept for me, but I also recognize that that's not something that everybody's been brought up in. It's not something that everybody's used to, whether it's because of a denominational background or maybe you're new to the Lord. And so, so to you, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's people talking funny, uh, it's, it's maybe the goosebumps, or, or you might even get a picture of good old Benny Hinn, you know, swinging his jacket at people and people falling over. Do you guys know who Benny Hinn is? So some of you, right? right? I, was, I almost played a video. I almost did it, but I decided not to, so I'll just tell you what the video was. So if you get on YouTube, you can look this up. Benny Hinn, so like I said, he would take his jacket and he 
swings it over this person, they go flying down. And he swings it over the next person, they go flying down. And then he swings it over the choir, and the whole choir just boom, 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 boom. The whole choir gets laid out, and the ushers get laid out. So now they're no good because they can't catch people. So he's just one after the other, swinging his coat, swinging his coat. And somebody put a lightsaber over his coat. And plays the Star Wars music. So you got bum, 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 people are falling left and right. It's the greatest video. Um, if, if you have a religious spirit, don't watch it. You'll probably get offended. Um, but, but Lord bless Benny Hinn. Um, <laughs> so I love that video. I think it's hysterical. So you guys can go look it up in your own time. But if you're not used to the Holy Spirit, that might be the concept that you have when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, and really, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, being, being slain in the Spirit, getting, getting prayed for and falling down, you know, that, that can be part of it, but that's, that's kind of become uh, the, the normal association that that's all that it is. Um, and really, all that's happening in that moment is when the Holy Spirit comes and he touches uh, somebody with the goodness of the Lord, sometimes it just becomes hard to stand up. So that's, that's really all that's going on. There's nothing mystic or magical about it. Um, but the Holy Spirit is used for so much more than just knocking people out. Uh, we, we, we read in the Bible that it's the Holy Spirit who gives gifts of tongues, so when people are speaking in tongues, and it's the very same Holy Spirit that, that will give a gift of interpretation, okay? It's the Holy Spirit that will give us gifts of wisdom, that gives gifts of healing, okay? So, so without the Holy Spirit, none of those things take place. When we, I mean, we, we see a lot of healings take place in this church, and thank God for that, but if you take the Holy Spirit out of our relationship, and those things don't happen, uh, one thing that I kind of want to, to start off saying this morning, because it's really kind of the, the thought that, that I guess inspired this message, is that oftentimes I believe when we are talking about the Trinity, when we're talking about the Godhead, we can subconsciously kind of put them in an order of there's God the Father, and there's Jesus who's God the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit, who's kind of like this lesser part of the Trinity. But... But for me, I think what we need to realize is we're not talking about Casper the Friendly Ghost here. The Holy Spirit, and the thoughts on the screen, says the Holy Spirit is not a lesser form of God, but he's the spirit of the God that created the universe. Okay, so we're not talking about some, some lower, not quite as important aspect of the Trinity, but we're talking about, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the very spirit of the God that created the universe, that created you and me. And I think that that's important that we start off understanding this, and here's why. We live in a culture... Uh, not, not a world culture, but in a church culture that has devalued the Holy Spirit, that has devalued the works of the Holy Spirit, the importance of the Holy Spirit. You know, you often, talking to people, you'll hear, you'll hear phrases like, well, I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so I believe in healing, and I believe in tongues technically, even though I think it's weird, but I just, I just don't like to emphasize that or, or focus on it. Um, there is actually even, there's a pastor in our area that when, when asked his thoughts on the Holy Spirit, his response was, I tried it once, and offerings went down, so I said never again. I tried it once, and offerings went down, so I said never again. To me, that is an absolute tragedy, because to me, to say that I don't need the Holy Spirit is to say that I don't need God. To say that I don't need the Holy Spirit is to say that I don't need his help in my ministry. I don't need God's help in my life. Okay, to say that I don't want to focus on the Holy Spirit, we don't want to highlight those things, that to me is just saying that, that you're uncomfortable with giving him control, with saying our life and our church and our ministry and all those things, that's, that's for you to control, and so we give that to the Lord. Now, bear with me this morning because we're going we're gonna to cover a lot of scripture today. 
uh, way, way more than usual. And the reason for that is because I want to, to show you that the, the Holy Spirit is woven throughout the Bible. This is not a new concept. It's not something that the Assemblies of God invented. It's not a man-made idea or theology, but the Holy Spirit has been with us uh, for the entire time. So to say that we don't need him is to say that we don't need God. You know, do you realize that we, we talk uh, during Christmas time, we talk, about, we talk about Jesus and we call him Emmanuel. That means God with us. That was, that was one of his names, God with us. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so we need to start thinking in terms of the Holy Spirit being with us and that we need him and we need to magnify him in our everyday lives. J.B. Phillips, he was a, he was a writer, he was an author um, in the mid-1900s. And uh, he, he wrote this in his, in his book, The Letters to the Young Church. He says, the great difference between present-day Christianity and that which we read in these letters, the New Testament epistles, is that to us, it is primarily a performance. To them, it was a real experience. We are apt to reduce the Christian religion to a code or at best a rule of heart and life. To these men, it is quite plainly the invasion of their lives by a new quality of life together. They do not hesitate to describe this as Christ living in them. I'm going to read those last two sentences again. To these men, it is quite plainly the invasion of their lives by a new quality of life together. They do not hesitate to describe this as Christ living in them. So we need to realize that the, the, the New Testament believers, that the disciples, when, when they encountered the Holy Spirit, they realized it was God invading their life and that that was a better thing. Okay, that was a better thing than what they had before. And we need to realize that, that without the Holy Spirit, life, Christian life can be quite mundane, quite frankly. It becomes, it becomes just a series of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. But when we have the Holy Spirit, it brings about, about a quality, a new quality of life. And that is Christ inside of us. So that's, uh, that's my introduction. We're going to get into this thing now. We're going to start off, we're going to start off in the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 14. It says this, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Well, what was prophesied by Joel? We will talk about that in a few minutes. But we're going to drop down to verse 22. It says, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the, the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Peter then goes on to quote David, who prophesied Jesus, but we're going to drop down again to verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So who's this guy that's speaking with such boldness, that's bringing accusation against the, the, the crowds of Israel, um, and at the same time offering salvation through Jesus? Somebody who's speaking bold, that's speaking uh, with, with, with power and authority. Isn't this the same Peter that just 53 days earlier 
was, was cowering when, when a servant girl asked him if he was even associated with Christ. Okay, a little girl basically says, hey, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And, and Peter says, no, 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 not, not me. Now we're talking about, I mean, Peter was a fisherman. And he was a probably a big, burly guy. I mean, quite frankly, this would be, hey, Grace, why don't you stand up? You're, you're going to help me out here. So she's got heels on, but normally she's like three or four inches shorter, you know. So, so this would be like Grace coming up to me and saying, don't you know Jesus? Nope. That I would be intimidated by Grace logically and, and kind of finitely kind of seems a little bit ridiculous. I'm a, I mean, I'm like a 200 plus pound guy. You know, I've got a beard, which makes me at least 5% manlier than dudes without a beard, right? You can sit down, Grace. Thank you. But, but for Peter to be, to be uh, intimidated by this little girl really makes no sense. But he was living in a moment where admitting his relationship with Christ was kind of a dangerous thing. Okay, and I believe that as we progress in, in, in society, there's many places in the world that admitting your relationship with Christ is a dangerous thing. And as we continue on in our lives in this nation, I believe that, that we will be coming to a day where admitting our relationship with Christ could be a dangerous thing. So it really isn't that hard to understand why Peter, a man, would be intimidated by this little girl. But now all of a sudden he's speaking with boldness. So what's taking place in his life? Well, like I said, this is the day of Pentecost when all this is taking place. So just 50 days earlier, Jesus rises from the dead and he spends the next 40 days with the disciples and he's preaching and he's teaching, he's spending time with them. And just before he ascends to heaven, we get what we know as the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's giving just kind of his final uh, instructions to them. Um, but just before he ascends, Jesus gives this final command, and it's found in Acts 1, and we're going to start off with verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when, the time had, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be, shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so Jesus gives this final command, and then he ascends to heaven, but he tells, he tells the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been filled with power. So the disciples, they go back to the room that they'd been staying in, and they begin to pray, and they begin to wait on the Lord. And they're praying for 10 days, and then we pick it back up in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia and parts uh, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. 
So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, they are full of new wine. So it's at this moment as the crowd gathers together and starts starts asking questions, what's going on, that Peter stands up and he gives his first sermon and he begins to boldly proclaim the goodness of God and, and we read that, that 3,000 people were saved that day. Now once filled with the Spirit, Peter went from being a guy who couldn't even admit relationship in knowing Christ to now he's championing him as King, as Lord and Savior. He's letting people know that, listen, you crucified him, but there is grace and mercy, and you need to turn. You need to repent. You need to know Jesus as Savior. And we see that from this message that that 3,000 people are saved, and then the church begins to grow at a very rapid place. But it was all because of the filling of the Holy Spirit, because he was empowered from something not of this earth. He was empowered by something that that was from heaven. So we need to have the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered to proclaim the good news of Christ. Now, while this is really kind of the major, the first major infilling of the Spirit that we see, it's, it's really, the Holy Spirit was not a new concept, okay? We, we, we know that, that the Holy Spirit, he descended upon Jesus when he was being baptized in the form of a dove. But, but more than that, we see him throughout the, the entire Old Testament. Now, the, uh, the study of the pneumatology, okay? Pneumatology is a word, it just means the study of the Holy Spirit, it's also a word that I was able to put in here to make me sound really smart, because when you, when you say big words, you put that in a sermon, people think you know what you're talking about. You know, you use a little Greek, a little Hebrew, and it's just assumed this guy knows what he's talking about. So pneumatology, it's just the study of the Spirit, and we're going to take a look at some verses throughout the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit is emphasized. If we start off and just look at the very beginning, we see that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. Genesis 1. Verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So there we have it. From literally moment one, okay, our Bible starts off saying that the Spirit was there. The Spirit of God was involved and active, and He was involved in creation. It says again in Job 26, 13, it says, By His Spirit He had joined the heavens, and His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. So, so the Holy Spirit has been there from the very start, so that's something we need to know, that the Holy Spirit is here. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through all these next passages of Scripture because that would just take forever, and I think we're already running short on time. But we were, we're going to put the references on the screen as I kind of just walk through them, and I want you guys to be able to write these down, take a picture of it, and go back through in your own time and actually read these verses and see the, 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 the purpose of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. But the Holy Spirit, it came upon people uh, to impart wisdom and to impart practical skills for strengths and abilities. He did this during the building of the tabernacle and the, and the construction of the Ark of the Covenant, uh, as well as all the furnishings that were to go into the temple. And that's found in Exodus 31. He was also the strength and guidance behind building the temple in Zechariah 4, verse 6. The Holy Spirit was involved in the administration of the nation of Israel by giving gifts of administration and giving gifts of wisdom. That's in Genesis 41. We find it again in Numbers 11 as well as Deuteronomy 34. He also raised up national leaders during the horrible time of the judges when when so many people weren't following the Lord. He raised up national leaders and he gave them strength. He gave them courage. He gave them capability in warfare and leadership abilities. That's in Judges 3 and Judges 6 and in Judges 14. Later, he anointed Saul 
He anointed David. He anointed Solomon. The Holy Spirit's the one that was anointing the kings to, to, to lead the people of Israel. And then later on in, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter, chapter 11, you see that when, when Saul was disobedient, that it's this Holy Spirit that, that left Saul. And so lo- Saul lost that anointing. The Holy Spirit was involved and is involved in regeneration. You see that in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 through 28. He's involved in instruction and in the, in the sanctification of Israel in the Old Testament. You find that in Nehemiah 9 and Psalms 51, Psalms 143, Isaiah 63. It's also said that he will produce righteousness and justice among the people of God in the Messianic age. And that's in Isaiah 11, Isaiah 32. So the Holy Spirit is literally woven into the fabric of the Word of God. He's as, as far back as we have accounts, the Holy Spirit is woven into that. And you guys can, can take pictures of these. Go read these verses and just see, just watch the Spirit and His function throughout the Word of God because He was an actual essential part of the Trinity. He's not just Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's an essential part of the Trinity. But I'll tell you what, there's a huge, there's a massive difference between the Holy Spirit that we see in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit that we see in the New Testament. That, dif- that, that difference is access, okay? We're going to read Numbers chapter 11, verse 24 through 29. It says, So when Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered se- the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle, then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him. So he takes of the spirit that was upon Moses. He places the same upon the 70 elders, places the Holy Spirit upon the 70 elders, And it happened when the Spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Next verse. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed but had not gone to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, He's one of my favorite guys in the Bible. It's also, if you ever heard the joke, who's, you know, the only man in the Bible without a mother, Joshua, the son of Nun. It's a horrible joke. And yet pastors use it all the time. And he answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. You see, in the Old Testament, You don't see people being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see the Spirit resting upon them. And it was selective. It wasn't everybody. Not everybody got to experience that. Just like only the the high priest could go before the Ark of the Covenant and and have that that meeting with the Lord. God didn't just show himself to everybody. The relationship that Moses had with God was incredibly, incredibly rare. Moses longed for what you and I have in this day and age. We have the very thing Moses saying, oh, that all the Lord's people would prophesy and that the Spirit of God would be upon them. So we have access, just like when Jesus died and the veil was torn in two, and we recognize that as being the moment where access to God was now permitted to all. The very same way Jesus dying and going, in fact, Jesus even said, it's better that I leave you. The disciples were wanting him to say, and Jesus said, it's better that I go, because if I go, then I get to send the helper. I get to send the Holy Spirit to, to fill you and be with you, and your life is going to be better because of it. So it's because of that that now we all have the, the ability to have access to the Holy Spirit. We have what Moses longed for. You know, Jesus actually wants you to be filled with the Spirit. He wants all of you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we look back at Acts 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, 
and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How many people were in the upper room praying? 120. Okay, we're not just talking about the 12 disciples. 120. And then how many were filled? Well, Scripture says all. Okay, they weren't, they weren't selective, but they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's something that I, that I do want to point out, and that is that there are, there are, there are men who, who love the Lord that will, will preach and teach that the Holy Spirit, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today, okay? They will, they will say that those things died out with the apostles, that it was a gift given to the apostles for the, for the purpose of starting the church, and that when the apostles died, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so when we're talking about gifts of tongues, when we're talking about the gift of prophecy, gifts of wisdom, when we're talking about uh, gifts of healing, signs and wonders, okay, that supposedly died out with the apostles. Now, I've yet to hear a solid biblical argument from any of them, but this is something, this is a, a message that permeates church cultures, okay, that, that, the, that, that, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit died out with the apostles. Now, aside from not having any scriptural proof to, to say that, in my opinion, it's just because the gifts of the Holy Spirit can make us uncomfortable sometimes, and so we need a, a reason to say that we don't move in them. But if we look at verse 38, it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God will call. So Peter's just said in verse 38, it's not just for him, it's not just for the disciples, but it's to go on from generation to generation to generation for people to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the news of Jesus. That's, that's, that's again whenever he, he prophesies and he, and he speaks the, the words of Joel. That prophecy is found in Joel 2, 28, it says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Jesus desires that all of us be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why, why, would, why would it end with the apostles whenever it says that it's for your sons and for your daughters and for your young men and for your old men? God pours out his spirit on all flesh that we can be empowered by a Holy Spirit who's known as the helper. That's how Jesus described him. Jesus even prays for you to be filled with the Spirit. Look at John 14, verse 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you yet another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Something that we need to realize is that the only thing that we need to be filled with the spirit is to be covered by the blood of Jesus and to desire it. The blood of Jesus has pre-qualified you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This isn't, you know, I grew up, you know, you'd, you'd, go to, you'd go to church and they'd say if you wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit to come and to get prayed for and then you get, you know, 10 people that are like mob praying on you and the, the main guy's pushing on your forehead and you're thinking, what is going on? I'm not in the matrix, okay? And, and it was something that was very intimidating, but, but people would, would try to force the Spirit and try to, try to convince you that you kind of have to earn it and you have to pray hard enough for it. You know, I, the blood of Jesus has pre-qualified you for it, okay? All you have to do is believe in the blood of Jesus and have desire, and he actually desires to fill you with the Spirit. So the disciples didn't get it because they were special. They got it because they were submitted to what Jesus told them to do and because they were ready to receive what he had for them.
You know, God intends for, for everyone to, to have the spirit who desires it. And we were actually created to participate in supernatural communication. That's part of the, 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 the advantage that the Holy Spirit gives us is that we actually get to participate in supernatural communication. In the book of Genesis, you see that Adam and God, they walked. They walked together. They talked like a brother to another. Brother to another. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But they talked to each other that way. And it was a very special relationship. And then when sin came in, we lost that. Okay, we lost that personal connection. But Jesus died and he actually brought that back. But because the church has, has tried to deny that power, has tried to kind of, kind of demagnify the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the church has no power to offer the earth. And, and our souls recognize, our souls long to be in communication with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that that's why we see such an infatuation with the supernatural. I believe that that's why we see so many TV shows that are, that are based in the supernatural. We see so many movies that are based with the supernatural because God's people have rejected the Holy Spirit, have rejected the teachings that say you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and actually have communication with God. And so because of that, the enemy saw a void. And so he's come and he's filled that void. He's twisted and perverted what God intended for his people. And he's offered something that our souls actually long for. So we need to begin to realize that, that, that the Holy Spirit is nothing to be afraid of, but it's something that as a church we need to offer people because it's actual power. It's actual power, and Jesus is saying that you can have it if you want it. We can have that very same spirit, that spirit that, that connects us with the supernatural. Heaven is always talking. God's always communicating. He never sleeps. But he's talking to people who are willing to listen. Part of walking with the Holy Spirit, part of being filled with the Holy Spirit is learning to listen to what the Lord is saying. You know, last year I was, I was talking to a friend of mine and he was just, he was expressing how he had kind of been at work today and he felt like the Lord gave him a word for a coworker. And he was kind of expressing just the, the, the going throughout the day, kind of trying to decide, is it really from the Lord? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it just me? And that can be a really tough moment, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, talking to somebody who's not a believer and they don't believe necessarily in the Holy Spirit or don't understand it. That can be a really intimidating moment to, to step out and say, hey, I feel like I have a, a word for you. Um, so he was talking about being a little bit frustrated with himself because he kind of let the day get past and was just saying, yeah, I kind of hope I have an opportunity tomorrow. And so I was just talking and, and I was just saying, I just kind of said that. I said, you know, I believe that the Holy Spirit is always speaking because he was kind of having that, was it really the Lord talking to me? I said, I believe the Holy Spirit's always speaking. And it's just a matter of if we're listening. And I said, the reality is that he doesn't just have a word for that one worker, you know, but he's got... He's got a word, and I, and I really don't even remember what I said, but, it, but I said something you know, to the effect of, you know, he's got a word for, for Joe and for Ben and for Ralph. And he stops and he smiles. He's like, I work with all three of those guys. And I just kind of started laughing because I wasn't sitting there trying to be super spiritual. I was just really talking from my heart. But because the Holy Spirit lives in me, the Holy Spirit was actually take that, able to take that moment and say, no, you actually did have a word for him. That was from me. And I do want to use you to communicate to your coworkers. And so that wasn't, it wasn't anything spooky. It wasn't anything conjured up. And like I said, you know, I, I don't take credit for that other than just allowing the Holy Spirit to be in my life. And he's able to speak in moments like that. And so I'm thankful for that. But, you know, learning to lean on the Holy Spirit, learning to give him control of your life, it's a process. It takes, it takes time. It's not overnight. Uh, I, I mean, I'm still learning to, to lean and to trust in him. You know, there was a, there was a, uh, a day, not, you know, several years ago, that my wife and I would stop at a gas station, and things were fairly tight financially, uh, and so we were literally putting like five bucks in the gas tank, and so I'm putting gas in, in, in the car, and my wife, she walks in the, in the store, 
and five bucks doesn't take very long to get in the tank, so I was done pretty quick. So I get back in the car, and another vehicle pulls up, and it's, you know, pretty, pretty beat up car, and this girl gets out, and she starts to put gas in her tank. And I feel like the Holy Spirit says, go, go put gas in her tank. I'm thinking, Lord, I'm just putting $5 in my tank. Like, I, don't, I don't have money to go put in somebody else's tank. You know, and so I sit there and I debate and back and forth and back and forth. Is it me? Is it the spirit? Is it me? Is it the spirit? Well, I, I argue long enough because she probably was putting like five bucks in her tank and that didn't take her very long. But I argue long enough that she gets in her car and she drives off. And I just immediately felt the conviction of the Lord in that moment, realizing that I had argued with the Holy Spirit long enough for somebody to miss out on what he had for that person. I have no idea what that person was going through. I have no idea what the effect of five or ten bucks worth of gas would have had on their life. And I have no idea what the Lord would have done in my life through it or the opportunity that I would have maybe gotten to share the gospel and just say, hey, listen, Jesus just wants you to know he, he knows your need. And so my wife gets back in the car and I just look at her and just in this moment of, of conviction, I just say, you know what? I don't care what the bank account says. If you ever have a moment where you feel like you're supposed to pay for somebody's lunch, put gas in a car, or if it's a, a bigger expense, I don't care. Just do it. Don't, don't worry about asking me. Don't worry about looking at the bank account. If the Lord tells you to do something, he's going to provide. And so we've tried to live our, our, our lives that way and just be generous. But, but more than being generous, we try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I, I'm so thankful that, that the Lord gives us more opportunities when we blow it. Um, he's given me many opportunities to listen to him, whether it be to, to be financially or a word. Um, but just recently, and just as, as kind of, since that's kind of a sad story, uh, as, as kind of a bit of encouragement, this, this year, we, you know, we all just participated in the one-day offering, and I felt like the Lord had given me a number, and for, for our family, it was a very significant number, and it was technically money that we had, but it was like, like you do, you have money that you've saved that's supposed to go for, for a specific purpose. We had work on the house that needed to get done, things that we knew were coming up, um, but the, felt like the Lord had sp spoken a number, and so I kind of sat on it for a few weeks, you know, once again, waiting for the Lord to change his mind uh, on, on what he was saying to give. But the week, before, the week before the offering, it was the Monday before, and I said, well, I guess I need to sit down with Haley and let her know what's, what is in my heart. And so I tell her, and, you know, she, she's an amazing woman of faith, so she was like, okay, if that's, if that's what you feel like that money's supposed to go to, then fine. Um, but it was going to, you know, it was going to be a sacrifice. So anyway, so we make that decision on Monday. Tuesday... Uh, an individual comes up to me and says, hey, I have a check for you. Um, it's actually something I was supposed to get to you last year and just never got around to doing it. And they hand me a check for the exact amount that I felt like we were supposed to give. And I knew in that moment, just like, just like the story of Abraham and Isaac, you know, Abraham says, Lord, it, it's tough, but I'll do it. The Lord provided a sacrificial lamb. And that's part of walking in the spirit is, is believing that the Lord has your best intent regardless. Now, I'm not going to build a theology out of that because there's been plenty of times where I felt like the Lord said give and somebody didn't come and give me a check that I was like, cool, now I don't have to spend any of my own money. You know, it, it doesn't always work like that. But, it, but I do believe it's a, very, it's a very potent example of the Lord just saying, listen, just do what I'm asking you to do, regardless of what it is, regardless of the cost. It might look foolish. You know, that, pro, you know, that wasn't necessarily Dave Ramsey, you know, to, to, to give that check when there's other things that need to be done, right? And I'm not, I'm not dogging Dave Ramsey. It's good teaching, so I'm, I don't mean to dog that at all. Um, but the world might look at that and say it's foolish. But something we've got to realize is that walking in the Spirit sometimes might look foolish. Okay, but 1 Corinthians 1.25 says that the, the, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. Okay, the world doesn't know the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't know Him. And so, of course, it's going to look foolish. Of course, there's going to be things that don't seem logical. But you know what? We just need to say, yes, Lord, and we'll deal with the mess later. 
We can't comprehend his plan or his purpose for our lives, but we should be asking the Holy Spirit to be involved in every aspect of everything that we do. You know, I believe wholeheartedly that, that he has a plan for my life. He sees everything laid out because he's outside of time. And if I just lean on the Holy Spirit, he's going to order my steps, whether it's to give, whether it's to give somebody a word, whatever it may be, he's going to order my steps and it's going to work out for my better. And the thing that we got to remember as we, as we are learning to, to walk in the Spirit, because I know not all of us, have, you know, once again, this is new concepts for some people, but, you know, God's not looking for a perfection. He's just simply looking for a willing heart. And so when we say, Holy Spirit, I just want to be used by you, we don't have to worry about, about if we get it wrong. You know, if I ask my five-year-old to go clean his room, I'm not looking for him to go pick everything up, vacuum, wipe down the baseboards, windex the windows. That would be awesome, <laughs> but it's not going to happen. But I want him to go in with a willing heart and a good attitude and say, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So when we're, when we're following the Spirit, just, let's just be willing. You know, just a practical uh, uh, idea that I would give you is, you know, once again, one thing that the Lord will give, he'll give you a word of knowledge for somebody. If you feel like the Lord is impressing upon your heart to give somebody a word, just be honest with them. Just say, hey, look, I'm practicing listening to the Holy Spirit. I think I have a word for you. And then you give them what you feel like the Lord's laid on your heart, and they might look at you and be like, that's exactly what I need. Or they might look at you and say, no, I don't think so. And that's okay. I've, done, I've had that. I've had, I've had moments in prayer with people where I'm praying something, and I say something, and they're like, yes, that connects. Yes, that connects. And then I go, and I feel like the Lord's saying this. And they're like, no. Okay. And so you just you keep going. You know, you keep going. You just, you just use those situations just to say, I'm learning. You just be humble about it. I would, I would definitely encourage you to not say, thus saith the Lord, because then you better be right. I've heard many prophetic words, and they tag it with, thus saith the Lord. And I'm thinking, brother, that's not even biblical. So I don't think that's the Lord saying it, so, but, but be humble in that. In closing, we'll, we'll go ahead and start wrapping up. Gosh, it's already 1230. Yeah, we'll start wrapping up. But uh, one thing I do want to say is the Holy Spirit's a gift. That's how Jesus talked about him over and over and over, that it's a gift. It's something that the Lord wants to give us. In fact, it was something that was so important that, that God orchestrated for the day of Pentecost. That was a, a feast that happened every single year. He could have given the Holy Spirit at any time. He could have given it while Jesus was here if he wanted to. Um, but, but he orchestrated it that there was going to be a time when there was going to be 15 nations of Israelites that were gathered for a celebration, that he could pour out his spirit and that they could hear the gospel communicated them in th to them in their own language. What a beautiful, beautiful gift that the Lord has given us that he said, no, it's important enough that I want the purpose of the Holy Spirit to be to, to, to proclaim the gospel to the nations. And so God, God he, he doesn't force himself on anybody. He doesn't force the Holy Spirit on anybody. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is optional in that sense because he's not going force to force you into it. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is not optional if we as believers desire to live to the fullest of what God has for us. If we actually desire to reach our communities, if we actually desire to reach our family, if we desire to reach our coworkers, I don't believe the Holy Spirit's optional, okay? Because just like Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the gospel, I think we need that for today. And I think that if we live a life without the Holy Spirit, we're not going to see signs and wonders and miracles. We're not going to receive a word from the Lord that's going to speak to our coworker right where they are in that moment. That's just God saying, hey, I know what's going on in your life. Without the Holy Spirit, those things don't happen. And it might, it might look a little foolish. The, the disciples were accused of being drunk, okay? So we might have to explain some things as we go. I appreciate Pastor Brad, and if there's a word given in tongues, I appreciate Pastor Brad coming up here and explaining what's going on because that can sound a little funny. 
It can be a little strange, and there might be a, a visitor who doesn't even know Christ, and they're sitting there going, what in the world is going on? So we might have to work some of those things out, but I believe that the power that the Holy Spirit brings is worth explaining some things and worth dealing with a little bit of mess and some, some confusion. Just some final thoughts that I have for you guys as, as we're closing. Um, the first is this, the Holy Spirit is, is our constant connection. He's in us, and he's in them, okay? The Holy Spirit, I don't get a Holy Spirit that's different from Pastor Beth. And then, and then Jeremy gets another Holy Spirit. Okay, and Cassandra gets another Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's omnipresent. Once again, he is God. He's omnipresent. He's in us, but he's in heaven. Okay, so he's our constant connection to heaven, to what's taking place in heaven, and to, to what's being seen on the earth. Heaven has a different environment than the earth, and the Holy Spirit can help us connect with that environment. If we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, I don't want what's on this earth, the natural things that I know, to be the only thing I experience. Because I recognize that heaven is better. The environment of heaven is better than anything I could experience on earth. And so the Holy Spirit connects us to that environment. Heaven comes to earth. And now the laws of physics don't apply. Okay? Now, now my earthly mindset doesn't apply because Jesus comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and he changes things and he makes it look more like heaven. The Holy Spirit will change our perspective. We hear all the time that we need to have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit already has the mind of Christ. So if I've got the Holy Spirit living in me, I can have the mind of Christ, and I can, I can view the Word of God, and I can view circumstances that take place, and not from an earthly mindset, but from a heavenly mindset, a heavenly perspective. The Holy Spirit was not just for the disciples, and he's not reserved for the spiritual elect, but he's for the empowerment of every believer. Once again, Joel prophesied it. The Holy Spirit is what equalizes both men and women. The Holy Spirit equalizes the rich and the poor. The Holy Spirit equalizes the young and the old. He's for everybody. He wasn't just for a few people, and we live in that revelation. We, li we live in that time where we get to experience everything that the, that the Spirit has for us, and it's for every single believer. So don't, don't believe the lie of the enemy that you're not good enough for the Spirit. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit is not a lesser form of God, but he is the living God. Amen. I believe that we serve an amazing creator, and he has given us this beautiful gift called the Holy Spirit, and I am longing and excited, waiting for the day when the church wakes up and realizes that we weren't just meant to live by a moral code, that we weren't just supposed to try to impose that moral code on people, and that was our, our evangelistic tool. That's our, that's our plan for evangelism. But our plan for evangelism is being empowered by the Holy Spirit, who desperately loves this world, who desperately loves the lost, and who says, I want to speak to them where they're at. The Holy Spirit trans, transcends language barriers. The Holy Spirit transcends cultural barriers. And so I believe that I can go into another country not knowing their language and by the, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, pray for somebody and they don't have to know what I'm saying, but they might. Because when the Holy Spirit empowers you, all of a sudden you can speak in their language without even knowing it. Okay, but, but even, even if it doesn't work that way, even if I go to Venezuela and I'm not praying in Spanish, the Holy Spirit can communicate that person even though they don't actually know what I'm saying. So I believe that it is vital to our church, it is vital to our communities, and it's vital to our Christian walk that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Those are my thoughts for today. Um, this is, to me, the, the most awkward part. I'm like, how do, you, how do you close a service? I'm not a professional here. So I'll just simply say this. I, I appreciate your, your heart. And I hope that you hear mine, um, and I believe that we need to, as believers, we need to be praying for other believers and other pastors that they begin to, to desire the presence of God and desire the Holy Spirit to be living and to be active 
because we don't, we don't need another program. We don't need another clean-cut sermon. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think Peter's sermon was, was, you know, five bullet points, you know. He didn't, he didn't, have, he didn't have children's church, you know, to, to send the kids off to. It was, listen, we need Jesus. We need Jesus, and we need his Holy Spirit. We need him to come and invade our lives. So I just, I, I, I submit to that to you guys. But Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence. And God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I just ask that, that as we are learning to walk uh, according to your will, that, they, that we would allow him to be active, that we would allow him to be living in our lives. And Father, that we would lean on the Holy Spirit for all direction, for wisdom, Lord, for guidance, uh, and that we would be a, a people that, that release power into a world that so desperately needs it, that releases kingdom power. Lord, I just bless these people as they go out from, from this place today. Lord, I bless them. I thank you that your word has been placed in their hearts, Lord. And I just thank you that you've placed your Holy Spirit within each and every one of them. And Lord, if there are those that, that, that don't know that power, God, I just ask right now that you begin to fill their lives as they begin to be hungry for something more than just a Christian code and a Christian standard. But as they begin to be hungry and thirsty for the presence of the living God uh, living inside of them and overflowing. Father, we just honor you with everything that we do in this place. And we honor your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.